Welcome, and thank you for joining us for the NAHU Healthcare Happy Hour, the official podcast of the National Association of Health Underwriters. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify. The podcast is distributed on these platforms every Friday and is included in NAHU's weekly member-exclusive health policy newsletter, The Washington Update, giving you a head start on your weekly healthcare happy hour. On this week's episode of The Healthcare Happy Hour, we are joined by Michelle Barkey, Senior Legal Counsel at Medcom Benefit Solutions and member of NAHU's Compliance Corner Committee. As some listeners may know, Medcom is an NAHU affinity partner, and today we will discuss what sorts of benefit solutions Medcom offers their clients, how folks can leverage NAHU's partnership with Medcom for some tremendous resources, as well as conversation around a few compliance areas that are relevant to you. So, welcome to the Healthcare Happy Hour, Michelle. Before we begin, would you mind introducing yourself a bit more to our listeners? Certainly. My name is Michelle Barkey, and as Daniel said, I am Senior Legal Counsel at Medcom Benefit Solutions. I joined Medcom this time around in 2014 and have been there ever since. And I'm also the director of our fabulous compliance department made up of subject matter experts. And I'm also a registered nurse and have been in this business for close to 30 years. So I'm beginning to show my age here. I am curious. So I assume you were a registered nurse before you got into compliance. How did that happen? Actually, I was originally in Canada and I worked for two major insurance companies in Canada. Both of them closed down. And at that stage of the game, I moved to the United States and I had been director of claims in Canada. And when I moved to the States, they told me to do what I was doing in Canada. I had to be a nurse. So I went to nursing school, got my license, actually practiced on the floor and then jumped into managed care in the 90s. And there was a lot of consolidation with the managed care. I was basically in Medicaid managed care organizations. So with all the shutdowns I was in, I eventually went to law school and became a lawyer and practiced for 10 years as a litigator and then went to MedCom. That's very interesting. I'm sure many NAHU members may be familiar with MedCom Benefit Solutions, but for those who are not, can you tell us a bit about the company and what you all do? I would love to. Medcom Benefit Solutions actually started in 1983 as a third-party administrator for self-funded health plans. We're located in Jacksonville, Florida, but we changed our company's direction in the early 2000s. And we went from being a third-party administrator into being an administrator of consumer-driven health products which we still have, and those include FSAs, HRAs, DCAPs, and consumer-driven healthcare solutions. We also do COBRA administration and retiree billing. And then after we did those two, uh, we still have those two departments, we jumped into the compliance world. And we started with our compliance department. And the compliance department does everything you would expect a compliance department to do, back plans and pop plans. And we also do NDT testing, 5500 preparation and filing, and a range of HIPAA services. And we also do a lot of consulting as well, where smaller employers will hire us to answer, or smaller brokers, depending, will hire us to answer all their questions regarding compliance on benefit plans. And then we also have our fabulous ACA department, 
We've been in the ACA business since 2013, where we were doing a lot of pay and play analysis, not so common anymore. And then in 2015, we developed our own proprietary software and jumped into the reporting services and full-time employee determination. We still do a little bit of ALE determination as well, but that doesn't come up as often as it used to. And we do a lot of education on ACA. And then since 2016, when the IRS started to issue those lovely appeal notices, we also have penalty appeal support department, and we do all the penalty appeals as well. That's quite a bit of services. And actually, as we mentioned earlier, Medcom is an affinity partner of NAHU. And this means that NAHU members can receive special discounts, among other dedicated NAHU member solutions. So could you speak a bit about those benefits? Absolutely. NAHU members actually come in with our preferred pricing upfront just by showing that you are a NAHU member. And typically those pricings that we give are typically reserved to our longstanding clients who actually have volume requirements to go along with it. But as a NAHU member, you would jump right to the head of the pack and you would get those discounts regardless of volume and regardless of time that you've been with Medcom. So it's like a fast pass at Disneyland. And of course, it comes with our white glove services as well. If any NEG members are interested in these benefits, you can go to medcombenefits.com slash to learn more. Now, that being said, I'd love to dive into some compliance topics that you all offer resources on, beginning with one that is quite relevant to NEHU members, as we sort of already started discussing, ACA reporting requirements. It is crucial for agents, brokers, and their employer clients to understand these requirements in order to remain in compliance. So what resources does Medcom provide in this area? And as one of Medcom's senior compliance experts, how do you assist clients in this area? Well, let's start with our philosophy regarding the ACA and the reporting. We have a mantra, which is business intelligence plus technology. In 2015, we developed our own proprietary software to do the ACA reporting. But unlike the payroll companies, we ask our clients to give us the data. We'll sort the data, we'll review the data, and then we'll upload it into our software and we'll generate the 1095s and the 1094s. But what's different about Medcom is that we are the business intelligence behind it as well. We don't leave you stranded out there. We want to make sure that you fully understand what's in the ACA reporting. And at the end of the day, when we print our forms, we know that there is no, what I like to refer to as code confusion, that the forms are actually correct. They've been reviewed internally and then by the client. We go over them in detail so that it's no longer just a question of, you know, you're punching your ACA forms by your payroll company. You have no idea what they what, what's supposed to be on them. You mail them to the IRS. And then as we've been seeing over the years, they come back with all sorts of penalty notices. And typically those are due because of code confusion or the forms not being corrected. As I say, we've been in the ACA business since 2013 when we were doing pay and play analysis. And we also do full-time employee determinations. So basically what our white glove service in the ACA department means is that it's fully serviced. We will do all the heavy lifting. We will prepare the forms. We will then contact the client and the broker, make sure that they understand everything. And we also, when we get the data and we look at it, 
we also pick up a lot of things that might not be accurate that can lead to that code confusion and can lead to a form being miscoded. It's going to be particularly important this current reporting year because each other year we've had what we call the good faith effort so that if you make a good faith effort, you don't receive a penalty for having an error on the forms. And then the IRS just asks you to correct them when the penalty letter comes in. But this year, it does not look like we're going to have a good faith effort. I know everybody has been saying that every year since 2016, there won't be any more good faith. But each year, the government gives us hints that there will be. This year, we've had no hints on the draft forms that does not appear on the draft form. And also, um, for the last two years, the government has said, do you need another good faith year? Do you need another extension of filing the forms? And believe it or not, they got very little reply. So the IRS said, basically, since nobody seemed interested, we imagine you're ready to go. And therefore, I don't think there will be a good faith year. So every form you get that's not correct that you file could cost you up to $280. And then plus the argument with the IRS that it was completed in error. So it's really, really important this year that those forms get done correctly. So it's really important that brokers and employers actually understand what those codes on those 1095Cs are. And that's where MedCom can assist. And of course, one of the potential side effects of not staying on top of these compliance requirements and these reporting requirements, particularly if they're not going to show good faith, is the receipt of penalty notices. So what sorts of services and resources does MedCom provide for those who are confused about ACA penalties or even those who have received them and don't know exactly how to handle them? Okay. Well, MedCom Benefit Solutions, we have been in the penalty appeal support arena since the first letter actually came out. And it was kind of an interesting story. It was a guy up in New York who had a temporary staffing firm. He had asked his accountant to do the 1095Cs. The accountant had no clue what he was doing. Let it be known he had no clue what he was doing. And then three years later, they got a penalty notice for close to a million dollars. And they called and the guy at the temporary staffing firm said, is it time for me to jump out the window yet? And I said, no, hang on. Let's take a look at everything. And when we looked at the first penalty appeal, it was just the garbage in, garbage out. They did not know who their full-time employees were. The codes were all over the place. And the IRS just assessed the penalties for it. Also indicated on the forms that they didn't offer coverage when that wasn't correct, that they had offered coverage. So at the end of the day, we managed to save him the whole million dollars. And he took a picture of himself with the letter from the IRS. So typically when you get these letters, my first bit of advice is don't panic and don't bury your head in the sand. There's been a lot of times where employers have just put it aside to, to tackle it on a later date. And then they get the next letter and the next letter. And then what we see is a lien and we're off to the races. So when you get that first letter, it's very, very important that you get it handled, and also that you don't panic. The letters that are coming in now are for 2018, still a lot of code confusion, still a lot of bad coding, and still a lot of things that we can do to help. So MedCom, when we look at these forms, we know the ACA really, really well. We, we took the time in 2014 and 2015 to really make sure that we understood all the ins and the outs so we start from the top down and figure out what is the best way to help. And we have saved our clients a lot of money. 
And that's if you get those lovely letters 226J, which means that the forms were completed incorrectly. However, out there also, and it's becoming much, much more prevalent, the forms that you get that says it looks like you're an applicable large employer and you failed to file. The first letters that came out in that nature in 2016, they were pretty generous. They just said, we think you were an applicable large employer. Did you file? If not, can you file? Now the letters are much, much more aggressive. And they are, we believe that you're an applicable large employer and you didn't file. And therefore, we have calculated your penalty based on your W-2s to be such and such. Come back to us if you have any questions. So those letters are a little bit more difficult because now we've got to convince the IRS that there was a reasonable cause not to be furnishing the forms. But the other way they can save money is, again, the IRS is basing it on W-2s, which is never an accurate reflection of the number of 1095s that need to be filed. So those are the two different types of appeal support letters that uh, we get in all the time. And as I say, we have a whole bunch of experts who are at the JD level who actually look at these and uh, we go through them. So, and I look at everyone before they go out just to make sure they're correct. But again, it's very, very important that the forms get done right and know that the IRS is getting tougher and tougher with the penalties. This year, we've also seen the IRS challenge the safe harbor code saying that you coded that it was a W-2 safe harbor for an example, and we don't believe you prove it. So we're getting those as well now. So the IRS is getting much, much more sophisticated. So the first thing always is don't panic. And the second thing is to make sure you get someone that really understands the ACA and to go through the letter and don't try to do it yourself. Just like, you know, we never recommend you do the reporting yourself either. It's just too complicated and we always need to get it right. One other thing I want to say along that line is that the tax inspector general for the taxpayer advocate has to report every year to Congress various stages that the IRS is in and what's going on. And last year in June, the TITGA actually wrote a very scathing report to Congress indicating that under the Affordable Care Act, they've only collected about 5% of what they were expecting. And they said that basically the IRS was not doing a very good job. So since then, we found a lot more aggression by the IRS. So it is important that you get those letters taken care of timely and that you get the experts who can really help you out to make sure that you get the most bang for your bucks and the biggest savings that you can get. So what is your advice to folks who may be on the receiving end of a penalty notice and don't know what to do? First off, again, as I said, don't panic. And second off, get some help. And Medcom Benefit Solution, we're here to help you as well. So check out our website that you were just advised by Daniel and see our penalty appeal support. We do it at a very reasonable cost, and yet we know what we do, and uh, we have saved a lot of money. But first, don't panic, and second, don't bury your head in the sand. The IRS is not going away. Hi there. Are you familiar with NAHU's Leadership Academy? The Leadership Academy assists chapter leaders and members to become better leaders in NAHU and in life generally. This is a 12-module program that provides a wide variety of topics, touching on many areas to provide students with a well-rounded experience. But that's enough of me explaining it. Here is NAHU CEO Janet Troutwine and NAHU Chapter Leadership and Development Committee Chair and Leadership Academy Creator Emma Fox to explain more. 
Welcome, Emma. And I just want to start right in and talk about the newest thing that we're the most excited about, or one of the few things that we're the most excited about is our new Leadership Academy. Can you tell us a little bit about it, what it's supposed to do? Yeah, sure. Thank you so much for having me, Janet. I am always up for an opportunity to talk about leadership. And we have a couple of really big initiatives, but the biggest one is the Leadership Academy that rolled out on July 1st. It really started with kind of a small idea, like how could we get training out to our members to help them lead their chapters a little bit more effectively and to help them align their local and state goals with our national goals as well. So we had some more cohesiveness. And of course, as with much of the things I touch, a very small idea became a much bigger idea. And we um, decided to put together a, a full curriculum of what we thought our leaders needed to learn and understand about. And then we recognized that uh, as brilliant as our committee is, we couldn't take on that task ourselves. And so in true uh, NAHU fashion, we went out to um, our most prominent NAHU folks and asked them to donate their time to be teachers to teach each one of the 12 one-hour modules that exist in the academy. And so everyone in true NAHU fashion jumped right in. They donated uh, two hours of their time for an online academy. And then we also host a live session every single month, one module at a time. And so far, we've had an excellent outpouring of support, and we have about 100 people enrolled in the academy at the moment. So this is designed for leadership itself, not just chapter leadership. It can certainly help our chapter leaders, but it also has many components that just help any of us be better leaders than we otherwise would be. Is that right? Yeah, you nailed it. What we're trying to do is not just teach them how to run chapters, but teach them how to take on a leadership role in their business as well. And I think people don't realize that NAHU can do that for you through networking, collaboration, connection with other NAHU members. We can also help enhance what they do in their business life kind of on the side of NAHU as well. So it's really intended to be multi-purpose. If you are interested in learning more about the NHU Leadership Academy, email chapters at nhu.org. So moving away from the ACA for a second to talk about another relevant issue to, I mean, everyone, the COVID-19 pandemic has, of course, radically altered the way that a lot of employers around the country operate. So in your opinion, how has the pandemic changed employee benefits? And do you think that these changes are here to stay even when the pandemic is behind us? You know, Daniel, that's a real good question. And the first change that we had to any kind of employee benefit actually came out with the Family First Coronavirus Response Act in March of 18. And that actually gave us a little bit of paid time off if you had two weeks of paid sick to, to go get tested for COVID. And that was even before we had a lot of testing that was available. And then, of course, it expanded to extended family medical leave in case you had a daycare center that was close to the schools we closed. Remember that very, very beginning in March, you know, two weeks off to stop the spread. So we've had since then no fewer than about 13 laws or notices that affected COVID. And what we found with our employers and our client, broker clients is that everyone really, really wanted to do a good job and that they really wanted to make sure that the employees were taken care of. So it was really heartening to see that. One of the big changes that came out was 
in May of 2020, when they gave us a notice 2020-29, I believe, in which they actually talked about, you know, the consumer-driven health plans, the FSAs, the HRAs, what's going to happen to those dollars that people invested at the beginning of the year and said, hey, this is what I want to have out of my paycheck. And of course, you know, the benefits are supposed to be there for a year, whatever you elected. And then all of a sudden, physicians' offices were closed down, elective surgeries were canceled. And even before that happened, we were getting a lot of client calls and a lot of broker calls like, what can we do for our employees? Can we give that money back? What can we do? And we were talking to NAHU. We were, we were doing everything we could to get that to the attention of the legislation and to the IRS. You know, I just felt that the employers really wanted to do something, but their hands were tied. And we used to talk about, well, you know, the DOL and the IRS keep on talking about discretionary enforcement on some of these things. So we thought there would be changes, and we were really grateful when the changes did come out. But what I found with the employers is that the employers and the brokers really wanted to make a difference and really wanted to protect those benefits. So with all these notices and all the changes, there was a lot going on. And the other thing is there there was a lot of confusion as Nahu did when we did. We did a lot of presentations because it just seemed to be coming one right after the other after the other. Now, the next part of the challenge was you asked me if I I thought anything was going to be remaining and whether some of these might stay on in the future. I think most of the laws will eventually die out. We have the outbreak period, which, as you know, is the extension of certain timeframes to get thing, you know, to get monies paid, for an example, to elect COBRA or to pay the COBRA premiums. That extends into 2022. The ability to make some carryovers and, and some changes to health plans or to FSAs, that's also going to carry over to a, an extent into 2022. Other things have come to an end. For an example, Family First Coronavirus Response Act, you know, it was supposed to be only up until December 31st and then a couple of other changes. They allowed it to go till September the 30th. We were all waiting for the COBRA subsidies um, where employers would get that, you know, employees would get the COBRA subsidy if they were involuntarily terminated or had a reduction in hours. And we were waiting for the government to say it would extend beyond September the 30th, but it did not. But where I see some of these changes myself is not so much with the actual health plans or those type of benefits. I think everything that has been done is now being focused on the No Surprise Act and the transparency rules and the mental health parity. But where I see the changes is government had its first foray federally into paid family medical leave, even that sick leave just for those two weeks And then, you know, the extended family medical leave for 12 weeks if your child was, uh, daycare was closed or the school was closed. So as we've seen with the government, they are looking at that and doing more with family paid medical leave. And I can see that extending. And also with some of the things like the child care under the Family First Coronavirus Response Act, we see that they want to continue doing things with child care as well. So I can see that there is going to be some things moving along that way. But you know, I think the outbreak period will come to a natural end. Actually, it has to because the DOL and the Department of Labor will run out of authorization after a, a, another year. So I think that there will be that some things just won't change, will, will change and go back to normal 
But I think we've all lived in a different society now. And I think that there will be some more paid family leave and things like that down the road. Is there anything that we haven't discussed today that you want folks to hear? I would like folks to hear that we are going to see a lot more enforcement in the next couple of years over the time with your, all your compliance to make sure the VAT plans are up to date, make sure that you get your 5500s filed. Everything that we have done is leading to more enforcement. Don't forget, we've got the transparency rule coming in. The mental health parity is enforced now. We have to get the assessments done. ACA reporting is going to be really, really, really important this year. Again, I don't think you're going to have any extended timeframes. The forms will be due to the individual by January 31st. You can ask for a 30-day extension. But to ask for a 30-day extension, it has to be in writing. You have to write a letter. It's going to go to a specific address, and you have to give reasons as to why you need that extension. So again, ACA reporting is going to be really important. So if you do not have a plan in place right now, or if you have any clients that don't have a plan in place or not sure whether they're an applicable large employer, This is the time to get all the ACA reporting solutions in place. And again, MedCom benefit solutions would be more than willing to assist in that way as well. Thank you so much for your time today, Michelle. And it is now time for the NHU Healthcare Happy Hour Toast of the Week. What are we toasting to this week? Okay, let us now raise our glasses to those who provide valuable benefit services for America's employers and their hardworking employees. May you and those you serve remain in good health, have prosperity and abundant freedom in the land of ongoing opportunity and success. Know that the coronavirus has changed the way we all think about each other and the, all the way we do our business. But we want to raise the toast to everyone who has come through the pandemic. And since I mentioned at the beginning, I'm originally from Canada, as they once tried to do in Canada in lieu of saying cheers. Chimo. Cheers. Thank you for joining us for the NAHU Healthcare Happy Hour, the official podcast of the National Association of Health Underwriters. For more information on NAHU's government affairs efforts or to become a member, visit NAHU.org. <laughs>